0: Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. How to build your running mileage and signs it's the right time to start building. Weekly mileage can be a fun way to track your training volume as an athlete. This is one of the first questions that you are usually asked when you start a new training program or whenever we're chatting with our new runners who start with coaching with us. How many miles per week do you typically run? As a coach, we work with people who run three miles a week all the way up to 80 miles per week. Many elite athletes run over 100 miles per week. Most competitive recreational runners who place at races on the weekends or qualify for Boston typically run anywhere between 30 to 60 miles per week. Uh, This is a really wide range of miles, 30 to 60 miles per week, that's a big range. And today we are gonna be chatting about how to build your mileage and how to know if it's the right time to even start building your mileage and maybe what the benefits of building mileage could be. I have with me today Jason Phillippe, who is the head cross country and distance track and field coach at the University of Wisconsin River Falls. He has ten years of coaching experience, and he also is a coach here at Run for PRs, helping athletes qualify for Boston and train for marathons and half marathons. Um, so it's very interesting to see how it plays out at the college level. You know, even training for the shorter distance races, they're still you know wrap racking up mileage building their mileage and building their aerobic base and same goes for you know the road runners who are training for those longer distance races so jason i guess we'll kick off with how does an athlete or how do you decide as a coach that it is a right time in an athlete's running journey to increase their running mileage
1: yeah it's a very interesting question i know being a college coach you know we get high school athletes coming in from various programs um and some programs were lower mileage, so they maybe were sticking around like the 20 to 30 mile per week range, and then other, other uh, high school programs are a little bit higher. And so, you know, finding the right amount to um, kind of start a freshman off and make sure it's individualized for them, and then we progress year after year. So um, when we're talking about adults, we're going to look at really the – Uh, experience that they have in the sport so if you're a brand new runner we're going to obviously right away look to add some mileage because you're starting this new sport you're going to be adding a couple races to your calendar Um, so we're going to increase mileage we're going to look at maybe how many days per week you can handle Um, and again this is going to really depend on your schedule when what your goals are you know really how new you are to running Um, um, and then we'll figure out how many miles per week how many days per week that sort of thing and try to build you up over time Um, And really some other ways to determine if if it's time to start to increase mileage would be if athletes are kind of stagnant with their training so they're not feeling as challenged or it's feeling too easy um, or their fitness has kind of been plateauing or staying around the same level.
0: Right. Yeah. Those are all really good points. I think we're going to expand on a lot of them, especially people who are listening, who are, you know, the road runners, half marathon marathoners who are, you know, interested in this topic. But what I think is really interesting is like going to the whole root of running. And I know you're a college coach and you mentioned it really varies. You know, you would think that most athletes that come in, they ran all of high school, middle school, like they would all come at the same mileage point. Like they would all come kind of with the same base and you could just expect the same thing. But what I'm hearing from you and what I know from my experience is that that's not the case at all. Like you have some athletes that come in um, and in high school, they were running, you know, just only 10, 15, 20 miles per week during the season. Um, Where other programs, like if you're from the Minneapolis, St. Paul area, one of the really good um, cross country programs in that metropolitan area is wise at a high school. And I know a lot of those guys, you know, they're running 60 plus miles a week and that's just how their program is built. Um, Obviously it's like a different caliber of runner, but that's not to say that there are people who are maybe on their JV team who are also putting in that type of mileage and would maybe end up at River Falls. So I find that really interesting, just from a philosophy standpoint, um, as it stems back to mileage and running. Um, how do you think, you know, in the high school, middle school programs? Because we have some coaches that coach the high school, and middle school level, and they're also kind of curious about this topic. How do you think it is that coaches at those levels, when you know young kids are getting into the sport, how do they pick the right mileage and how to do some programs? work kids up, you know, who are 16 years old running 80 miles per week versus other programs where it's like, okay, they're running 20 miles per week, but the competition level is very similar. And I know that you went through a cross country program yourself. How was your experience and what sort of times were you running versus other people maybe at higher mileage? Cause I think this is where it all starts is, you know, that philosophy and the tone that gets set for a lot of these young kids who then go on to become, you know, really good runners and maybe coaches themselves in the future. So talk a little bit about that foundation that gets set and how the philosophy in, is in play there.
1: Yeah, well, there's certainly a lot there to expand on. So I, I think when we look at a high school program, um, you know, kids are going to be coming from various coaching styles and, and it really, it's all about the coach. So how long has the coach been been coaching? What kind of experiences do they have? What is their training philosophy and their knowledge about training high school kids and middle school kids to build them up over time? We always look for kids who would, what I would classify as who are under-trained um, and we want to bring them to our program because we feel like they have a lot of potential and they're already hitting certain times that are pretty fast uh off of probably 20 to 30 mile weeks and we just know that because we know those some of those small programs Um, a lot of times the coaches that are you know hired to to coach those positions they don't have the college experiences sometimes they do but a lot of times we um, can work with those kids to really progress them and build them up to be stronger Um, a lot of times high school kids are relying on their talent Um, so getting to that next level is when we can start to uh, increase their mileage build that aerobic base and get more out of them in terms of faster times Um, as far as the varied, you know, ability levels of, of high school kids and kids on a team in general, I think that as a coach, you just have to try your best to kind of group them up into groups. And over time, you're going to start to see based on, especially new kids like freshmen or kids who are first year runners to the sport, who are they kind of gravitating towards during workouts? And then figuring out like, what can they handle as far as a pace and as far as like a distance and a mileage, um, and then you're just tailoring the training based on each group and sometimes for an easy run your group may go anywhere from three to eight miles it really just depends on you know again the experience level of the runner and you're checking in with them before practice to see how they're feeling to make sure they're not injured or really sore from the day before and then you're gonna um, adjust the training accordingly you may you may have a few different groups who will go like four miles go six go eight Um, and then as far as workouts go it's kind of a similar concept where Maybe they don't warm up quite as long or cool down as long if they're not as experienced or they just do less repetitions of whatever workout or interval that you're going to be doing.
0: Right, yeah, I think you went... And you explained really well how you make each athlete on the team, even though they're all on the same, you know, college team, um, the mileage is still tailored to based on what they've done, you know, in high school and how their experience was um, with that. Because you know, some of your athletes, even though they're running the same times, their mileage might vary by ten miles per week. You know, some of your guys might be thriving off of, you know, more like fifty miles per week just because they have more experience. Others, it's like they're they're hovering at thirty five. Um, but they're still around the same paces. So I guess the biggest thing that really stood out to me when you were talking is that you're looking for more of people who have been under-trained in high school. It's like you don't want people that are overtrained. was kind of the message that I got. You're looking for these diamonds in the rough, like maybe people who haven't really been discovered yet. And one thing that really sticks out to me about that is you, you're hesitant to really go after people who have been maybe burned out or peaked in high school or middle school. You know, you hear the word peak in high school and middle school. I don't really think that's the case. I think there's something else that went on um, to lead these athletes and to lead other coaches to believe that they had peaked at such a young age. So what do you think is the repercussions of what causes someone to maybe peak? And have you ever seen um, an athlete that was coming out as a superstar stud, and then all of a sudden it was just like, you know, they turned 18, 19, 20, and they just
1: fell off the map. Yeah. Well, as we think about adolescents and teenagers, especially, we know that's a tough time. And as kids transition through high school and they start thinking about college, you know, we never really know what's going on inside their head. Who's getting more into running? Who's kind of losing interest? Um, who's got other priorities? Maybe they're working. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, their social life. Maybe it's academics. And, and really just, I think that the reason we might see plateaus at that level is because kids lose interest or the training starts to just stay stagnant. Um, and for some, they may be doing, you know, it, as a college coach, we know that a lot of high school kids come in and, you know, we'll talk to them about the workouts that they used to do. And um, I know for a fact, cause I used to coach high school and I had talked to a lot of high school coaches. The most common way to train kids is doing a lot of intervals at race pace. So they'll do a lot of, you know, 1K repeats uh, during cross-country. That seems to be a bread-and-butter workout for most programs. And it's at their 5K goal pace. So, you know, if you know much about coaching, you know that that's, that's a pretty tough workout. And typically at the college level, we're starting with longer, steady-state, more threshold training. Um, obviously, we're building up for year-round as well. But for high school kids, a lot of times they're not getting, like, those longer tempo runs in, in certain programs. Or maybe they're doing a lot of shorter, faster stuff. And it's just um they're lacking kind of that aerobic development in the higher mileage and so um that's something that you know we can try to build upon as they get to our level.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think that's going in more of to the specifics of you know, what workouts are involved and all of that stuff. And I know you know, your philosophy coaching, I think, is more along the lines of, you know, lower mileage, keep things fun and keep kids interested and engaged. Don't burn them out in high school. It's almost like a do no harm, like get them into the sport. You know, the first couple of years that you're a runner, it should just be about maintaining that consistency. And I think the best way that a lot of these, you know, high school, middle school coaches have found to do that is by not overloading. Because when you get to the you know 50 miles per week range for even 40 30 miles per week that's a lot of running um you know i run 50 miles per week with one rest day i'm running for over an hour 6 days a week and that can be for someone who's in high school you know a young person um, that's a huge commitment, and some people they thrive off of it. You know, a lot of people at the Zeta program, like they turn out to be great stud athletes that go on to you know D one schools with scholarships. Uh, but I think you know, for the vast majority of people who are just kind of getting into running and they don't want to like wrap their entire identity and life into it, it's almost better to do a little bit less, like you're saying, and then if it later you know becomes something that they really enjoy, they're able to have more of a longevity approach for the long run, and I think kind of your philosophy and the philosophy of some of the people that you've worked with as a coach have been to focus on that longevity piece and not so much worry about how much can we get out of you like in the short term. And it's all about thinking about running, being a part of your life long term. Um, And I know that's a big deal. I, I ran with some people in college and maybe you did as well who they were ran to their potential. It was all about like how many... Miles, can we get you to run? Like, how fast can we get you? And they were really pushed to um, their mental and physical limits for, you know, four years straight. And I think once they graduated, there became just a huge, like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And they needed a break. And then it was never able to be integrated into their, you know, life as a professional, which can lead to a lot of, you know, difficulties. You know, you have something that you're using for a very long time as a stress reliever, um, and then it just kind of goes away because you've been pushed to that breaking point. So what do you think causes that? Do you think it's just strictly mileage, or do you think it's just the approach that some people use, and is there anything good, bad? What is your viewpoint on this, and have you ever seen it happen to people?
1: Yeah, again, a tough question to answer. I think for a lot of kids you know, and young adults, it's basically just – you know, being pushed for so long and mentally, physically focusing so much on the time, losing kind of sight of the purpose of why we're here in the first place, why we're running. Um, you know, I'm in an interesting spot right now because I, I get I get to coach adults. I, I've worked with high school athletes, and right now I'm working with college kids. And I have a lot of kids who, you know, and, and I'm seeing this too when I'm recruiting, a lot of kids are telling me that they don't want to run in college. They just want to focus on their academics. And I had a few girls this year who didn't plan on running, but um, they came to me once school got started. It was mid September, and they realized they were having too much free time and they lacked that social aspect. So they wanted to come out and give it a shot. And so they came out for the team, which has been great. They've been running ever since, um, and you know we've seen some success with them, but not quite to the level which which they would like because you know the summer training just didn't didn't happen. So um, you know now looking ahead, my goal is obviously I want them to improve because it's. It's exciting, but I really want to keep them just motivated. So that's the number one goal as a coach is how do you keep your kids motivated? Um, and same with adult runners too. It's it's not always about the time. Um, we need to find ways to kind of challenge athletes to change their training every now and then so things don't get so stagnant um, and really try to focus on, you know, we obviously want to train um, with their strengths in mind because that's what keeps them confident in their running. But we also want to find kind of their weaknesses and areas for growth so that they can start to get a little bit stronger as a runner.
0: Yeah, you brought up a lot of really good points. I think, you know, the biggest struggle with a lot of runners who have been running, you know, for a little while, you said that you had some girls on the team that ran in high school and middle school, but they weren't sure they wanted to run in college just because it is a big commitment. And I think a lot of more experienced runners can relate to this. It You know, signing up for a race, that's a commitment. And Sometimes it just can be an extra thing on your plate if you're not really excited about it. And one thing I've found, um, you know, historically to be the case is a lot of times those people are often the people that maybe had experiences where they were borderline over training and they got really wrapped up and, you know, I have to run this many miles or I have to really be competitive with every single workout. And they kind of lost the joy in running. And so having that experience once and then maybe even repeating itself – can be really difficult. So I guess, um, you know, how do you approach the whole topic of someone who has been overtrained, whether that's with mileage or workouts, but I think, you know, very commonly it's with mileage, even in the slightest way, you know, yeah. running five extra miles per week may not seem like a big deal. And if you're really excited, bright eyed, bushy tailed about, you know, adding mileage, it can seem like no big deal. But if you do that consistently for like six months straight, all of a sudden you're in a position where you're dreading it. But you're not, you know it, it's a it's a really big fine gray area, and I don't think you ever wake up one day and just go, oh, I'm overtrained. I think it's something that happens over time. Right. So, have you ever seen this happen with an athlete, and how do you finagle your way out of that? Because it can be really hard to like convince someone to do less work because it's very like counterintuitive. And I know even for me personally. You saw me, I used to run, you know, 70, 80 miles per week, and I just did not want to do any less than that. Um, So what are kind of the repercussions and how do you approach athletes who are overtraining?
1: Yeah, I mean, thankfully in my coaching history, I don't think I've had an athlete that's gotten to the point where they're so burnt out, where they, you know, are either really struggling to even complete races or run a decent time, or they're, um, you know, just mentally checked out and they want to give up. So I've what I've tried to do is just learn to read into signals as we go to make sure that we back kids off or we simplify their training so that they get the mental break that they need. Um, but I have seen it from other programs. I've seen kids who just don't perform the next year and you, you start to wonder, and it's really hard to know, and all you can do is speculate because you don't know really what's going on in their situation and in that athlete's life, but... Um, You know that, um, you know, from hearing stories and and seeing the training firsthand, sometimes you, you, you just can't help but wonder, um, if they're burnt out because the pressure is there to run such high mileage or to run such fast workouts or do so many races. And so I think for me, it's, it's really about helping kids understand like running is, you know, it, it is lifelong, but it's also a long process. And, you know, if we can just stay consistent week after week, month after month, um, you know, and then obviously year after year, that's really when we're going to see the results. Um, Right now I have some freshmen who are a little discouraged. And so it's been, you know, it's been a good challenge for me to try to keep them in a good spot mentally, to keep them positive and optimistic about, well, you know, this was your first indoor season and we really only had about six weeks, not even six weeks coming off of our winter break and the holidays. So um, it can take a while, especially if you got sick in there or you had a a very minor injury and we had to tweak some things in your training. You know, it's going to take longer than just four to six weeks till you see results. Um, So trying to keep them positive and optimistic as we launch an outdoor and into our spring season. Um, And it's kind of the same for adult runners. You know, it can take a cycle, a training block or two to really build up and get to where we want to be. Um, You know, for specific athletes, if I really have a goal race that's a month away, I can probably work them really hard to get them to where I want them to be for that one race. But I have to think about as a coach, does that set them up for success more long-term? And I had a few examples of that this this indoor season where, um, you know, the goal would be to get an athlete to PR. But what's more important, I think, is looking into next year and this spring and setting them up for success. And so instead of drilling them with speed workouts, I was sort of more on the longer intervals with, with tempo work and threshold training so that we can continue to build their base. So they're not just good now in track, but they're going to be good next year in cross country and then track season next year.
0: Right. Yeah. I think that's a really good overview of, you know, how all the pieces kind of fit together. And one thing that really stuck out is you were talking about how some of the freshmen maybe are getting discouraged because, you know, for whatever reason, like they're not improving maybe as fast as someone else. And I think that just kind of goes back to the whole concept. I know we've really hit home before is not comparing your training to other people. And I know mileage, that can be one of those things where, you know, you see someone else running X miles and you're running Y miles and you think you need to get up to the same mileage level as this other person and then you'll get the same results when really there's so many other factors at play Um, and I, I think it can be really easy to correlate, oh, it's because, you know, they're doing this, that's why they're faster. And I think, you know, it's really important to address that that's definitely not the case. You have to figure out, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg sort of thing. You know, Jason, you run significantly less mileage than me and you pretty much always have, but you're always going to be faster than me. And that's not, that's not to say that, you know, if I run less, like I'm going to be faster. It's just everyone... Everyone's training is different and you have to, you know, look at that as a whole picture instead of just comparing, oh, he runs 40, she runs 60, she must be, you know, training more or she's in better shape. Um, It really, it's a lot, there's so many more complexities involved there. So we really encourage you guys not to kind of look at what other people are doing and compare. But I guess getting into more of the point, I think we prefaced a lot of this uh, podcast saying, you know what, it's really important not to overtrain and don't get too caught up in the numbers because we see that happen all the time. So don't get caught up in the numbers. Don't compare what you're doing to other people and don't feel like you need to increase mileage if you're at a good spot. I mean, you can improve a lot with just consistency. So that was like the big foundation we wanted to lay before we dive into um, why would someone increase their mileage and kind of what are signs to look for that it is time to increase mileage? Yeah,
1: I think um, your you know hist- you have to look at history of injuries, and if they've had any pro if they haven't had any problems, then that's a good sign. So I think that that's a good reason to start to build. Um, also, looking at how well they've responded to increases in the past, has that shown to kind of help the runner or hurt them? Um, I think again, looking at their fitness level, and if it's been kind of stagnant for a while, i looking to add something or change some change some sort of stimulus to get more out of their training. Um, and then really how challenged that they are feeling at the time to obviously try to um, challenge them to get to the next level. I um, mean, what Victoria brought up, a good point, is I was thinking about kind of the opposite effect is, you know, some athletes, they can get by off lower training because maybe their background was they were participating in other aerobic sports growing up. And so you kind of see them come into a sport, and I've seen this on my own team where I recruit kids off off the soccer or lacrosse team or they played other sports in high school and they come out. And they're running pretty fast early. And then I have other athletes that see that and they think, well, how are they so fast? Well, I'm training the same way. Well, you know, for you, we may need to have you train more because, you know, you you didn't develop your aerobic system like they did um, all those years focusing on their sport. And so kind of goes back to the comparison game, but never comparing yourself one way or the other, just looking at what do we need to do for you to help you get stronger and get faster. And um, I think that, you know, that's part of our job as a coach is to really look at the individual's training over the last few years, um, examine the the last few weeks especially, and then look forward at what are their goals for their events, their distances that they're going to be running, um, do they have any time goals, and then try to just start to slowly build them up and get them to where they are hoping to be.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway point there is just making sure that if you have a history of injury or burnout or a history where you know, increasing your mileage didn't help you. Um, That's something to kind of look at and be, you know, weary of going forward. We don't want to, you know, repeat past mistakes. And so that's not to say that you can never increase your mileage. Again, if you've been injured or if you, you know, didn't have good results, it's just be cautious with how you do it. You know, maybe we're just adding three to 5% of mileage instead of the, the 10% per week. Um, maybe we're gonna play something where we increase by five miles one week and then we cut back down. And it's every other week we're having these increases, but then the following week we're going back to the original. So there's a lot of ways to increase your mileage and do it in a way that we can test to see how the body responds and making sure that the load isn't too high. So there's so many ways to do it making sure we look at your history as an athlete, really good takeaway points here. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, increasing your mileage can yield to having a stronger aerobic base, but you have to do it when it makes sense. And so I think, you know, we've talked about the different stress variables at play before and this whole podcast is one of those stress variables. We've talked about long runs we've talked about workouts and now we're talking about the mileage component. So you really have to make sure that you're balancing all three of those. So we're not going to increase them all at once. Um, and I guess another factor that comes in with that, you know, those are the stress variables within training. But if you're an athlete, um, and your whole life, you know, you found your mileage sweet spot, like the mileage your body likes. And let's say that's 50, 60 miles a week. Um, If you have additional life stress, like you start grad school, you're taking night classes, um, you have a kid, you have a second kid, you are moving across the country, these sort of things are life stress. Um, How does that come into play when it comes with mileage volume and is there ever a time where it makes sense to actually decrease your mileage volume in order to maintain your fitness or even improve because life stress gets in the way?
1: Yeah, I think so because when we think about rest, we think about that's when our body's actually getting better and we have time to grow. So if you're if you have these other life stressors going on, chances are your time is what's lacking. And so really trying to maximize our time. Obviously, still we're going to want to run. We can't just not do anything and maintain fitness. But um, maybe you're cutting down your training one day a week. You know, let's say you used to run six, now you're doing five or something like that. Um, Also, maybe we could you know. We could look to cross train a day instead of running that extra day, uh, especially on our, if it's considered like an easy rest day. So I think there are, there are time and place for um, reducing, you know, overall volume, maybe, um, maybe in between like seasons, especially in between races would be a good time. So if you have a few months where, um, you know, work's picking up and you have a few months until your next race, that's an okay time to sort of drop back down before we build back up. So, yes.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And another thing that comes to mind, you know, when we're thinking about this stress in our bodies is aging athletes. So, you know, as you get older, your body becomes, you know, less resilient and you can't really, like, abuse it as much. You know, I always hear the saying, like, hangovers after your 30th birthday are, like, two-day events. And I think that just goes to show, like, as you get older, things can be harder on your body, right? Um, So when it comes to, like, master's runner, people 40, 50, 60-plus – uh, at what point do they, should you reduce mileage if ever? I mean, I know one of the fastest guys in the Twin Cities, John Van Daneker, he still runs just as fast as you. I mean, he's running like a, he beats you in some races. He's like a two thirty eight marathoner in his fifties. Um, I mean, you can still run really fast and I'd really be interested to know. I mean, maybe, you know, um, what his mileage looks like now versus, you know, in his prime when he was younger. And when do you start to... Do the mileage decrease?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I know that he was running more frequently back like higher mileage and faster in the shorter races, like especially 5k 10k. but I mean his marathon time is still around the same time now, and I think the biggest difference with his training would be um, just maybe allowing more rest days, so I think that that's key when you, as you start to get older is just allowing those complete recovery days, which obviously will take away you know, your overall mileage totals for the week. But again, I think it's more important to focus on, you know, what you are doing instead of what you're not doing. Like, oh, it's okay to take a rest day, but you're still getting your quality long run in and your your workout days and that sort of thing. And that's really what's going to help you stay, you know, fit.
0: Right. And I think one of the biggest things I've heard him personally say, and maybe you know, even Ed, I think about him and um, other people who are maybe in that, you know, approaching 50 or 50 plus group is that they go very, very easy on their easy days. Like I'm talking three plus minutes per mile slower than marathon pace. And, you know, that can feel very slow for people. And I know probably back in their, you know, their prime in their twenties or thirties, they probably were not, running that slow on their easy days. And maybe that's like an ignorance thing. Maybe it's like something you learn as you get older, like it's okay to really slow down. But also I think, you know, making sure that you're trusting that recovery process and allowing time for your body to really recover. Because I think that's the biggest takeaway is as you get older, it becomes harder for your body to recover between hard sessions. So you can still be very fast. You can still do killer workouts, but sometimes it's just that recovery in between that takes longer. Um, so it's just going to vary from person to person, but I think that is something that, you know, we look out for, you know, as, as an athlete ages, um, that could be a factor, uh, but it just really depends on kind of where they're at. And I think people who start running later in life, I don't really even think it impacts them as much. Cause it's like, they're still going to increase their mileage to a certain point. Um, I think where it becomes more relevant is if someone's been running their whole life and then they start aging, you might see more of a drop off in mileage, but you know, a lot of people start running in their forties and fifties and they're able to increase their mileage significantly for a very long time. Um, but I guess another thing that comes to mind that I've been asked about as a coach, I'm sure you've probably heard of this fad. Um, and even some of the masters runners, they, they follow this. Um, it's called the run less run faster approach. So the idea is that you're running three days a week. The only times that you're running, you're doing stress workouts. So it's going to be like a tempo run, a speed run, in the long run at, you know, marathon pace or a little bit slower. Um, and so the idea is you're running 20, maybe 30 miles a week max, and you're supposed to, like, get faster doing this, um, and you're just taking out the easy miles. <clears throat> and so one thing, you know, I'm looking at Jason's face, I don't think he's heard of this before, but one thing that, you know, in my research with this is, you're taking people, let's say Jason decided to do this. Um, it's not very fair because Jason has 25 years of running experience, um, and that aerobic base already developed. And so he would go out and do those three runs every week. And he could actually improve doing that because he has such a strong aerobic base already established. He doesn't need to do as much easy running and he could get away with doing that. And it could yield to Good results. Um, whereas someone who maybe has just started, I think that that's like almost a recipe for disaster because you're not allowing your body a chance to adapt to the physiological changes that it needs to have, um, with just that easy running foundation and base. Um, and so do you ever think athletes should use that sort of approach? And if so, when would it make sense and how would one incorporate that into their training?
1: Oh man. I mean, I, I've heard of similar styles of training. I didn't realize it was just restricted to those three days and they all have to be quality, but I, I think it's good to at least get one easy day. Like I've worked with people who, you know, they can only run three to four days a week. And so we make sure that, and they want, they want a quality workout plus a long run. So, um, I guess if you're asking the question, is there ever a time where this is appropriate? Um, if you do have a race on the, on the horizon, like maybe, maybe it's like two months away or something like that, or even six weeks, I think, you know, getting away with doing this for a couple of weeks just so you get some quality workouts in and your fitness improves, I think in the short term it can be okay. But like Victoria said, in the long term, I don't think your body's getting a chance to adapt to the physiology, physiological changes um, that are coming with that, like the increased mitochondria um, storages in your in your muscles and the increased capillary production in your blood vessels. So I think that it's important that we are running slow. Um, and then I have to think about the physical you know, like the injury, uh, the risk for injuries are, is going to go up too. And, you know, Victoria said I could probably get away with it and she might be right maybe for a while, but I think over time I would get injured because what I notice is it's it's the hard run after the hard run that is getting me hurt or a hard run after a long run. That's, that's a recipe for disaster for me. So um, I could probably get away with it if I was training for a 5K, no problem. But if it was like a marathon, I just don't think that that would be helpful for me doing a long run plus – you know, a long tempo run plus some shorter, faster speed work. I think that my body needs a chance to just go out and run slow.
0: Right. Yeah. I think it's definitely an interesting philosophy. And I like how you pointed out, you know, some of your athletes, they can only run three or four days a week. And, you know, I, I have a lot of athletes in the same, in the same boat. So I guess there are definitely people that we work with, I think, who have some bit of variation of this um i mean it's not really intended but sometimes it's just how you know things shake out sometimes people just can't commit to running more than four hours a week and they want to do a workout and it just ends up being that a little bit higher proportionately um, the runs are you know harder effort runs than we would prefer but that's just the seasonal life some people are in and that's what they can commit to Um, And, you know, having workouts, I think, can be fun and they're something that keep you motivated. And so that's why I think they're beneficial to add in, even if, you know, you're only able to run three or four days a week. Uh, Some coaches might say, you know what, if you can only run three or four days a week, then you should only be doing um, easy mileage. But, you know, the reason that I think we are okay with and like to add workouts is because it can be boring doing easy running all the time. I mean, we hear that all the time from our athletes. Are like, oh, like I need like more variety. I need to mix things up. And so that um, excitement of having that workout on the calendar, in and of itself, um, even if it's not like super taxing, can really help um, mentally break things up. And I think you know sometimes I get feedback from athletes are like, why is this like run pace short, s- slower than this? And I'm like, sometimes I literally just put easier workouts on the calendar. Um, you know, like progression runs, they're not like that hard, but they give you a chance to kind of mix things up, mentally challenge you, get you used to running in a certain way. Um, you're probably only going to be hitting, you know, barely marathon pace at the end of the run. That's the goal. But you might have another workout that week where you're doing like 30 minutes at threshold. So obviously the doing 30 minutes of work at threshold, is going to be a lot harder than, you know, your progression run. But that's why it's important to kind of understand the stress load of all of these things and how it all comes into play. Uh, But I think, you know, one of the biggest takeaways here is that consistency is one of the most important parts of training and just knowing what you can commit to. Um, Is there a risk that is involved with increasing your mileage? Have you ever fallen victim to increasing your mileage only to find yourself later injured and then it affected your consistency? Um, And what do you have to say about that?
1: Yes. um, When we talk about increasing mileage, it's very important that we we just keep it to that. We don't want to also increase... Um, the number of, you know, intense minutes or workouts that you were doing. So you can't also add in, you know, an extra mile or two on your mile repeats, um, at the same time. So you want to make sure that your body's getting a chance to adjust to one stress increase at a time. And so the increased mileage is fine, but then maybe the next week, if you're looking to increase, um, you know, the intensity and offer more threshold work or more speed work, you're going to want to probably lower the mileage part. So, um, For me, I like to kind of build for two weeks and then cut back. Um, And probably, you know, as far as the workouts go, they're really not getting any, they're not getting, like I'm not adding so much each week. I'm more just focusing on consistent workouts, but I'm trying to build my mileage right now. Whereas other people it might be, the mileage can be just kind of stagnant around 40 or so, but maybe we're trying to get the workouts harder each week. And so I think that gives us a chance to really be creative with how we build a plan and looking at what the athlete's goals are. Um, but for myself right now, yeah, I think the mileage is my priority and I'm ve- being very careful not to do too much as far as a workout goes, because I don't want to end up injured. Um, and I've learned my lesson the hard way where I've tried to do both at once. And it, it's just usually a recipe for an injury a couple of weeks down the road, or, um, I don't recover from my race. That's usually a, a big thing that has happened to me in the past is, you know, I, I can get away with it for about five, six weeks. And then after the race, I'm just, I'm toast and something's flared up because I was, trying to get away with doing too much of an increase in terms of mileage and workouts
0: right so it just goes to show you that more isn't always better Um, it's important to understand the stress load and sometimes more is better and it's a fine it's a fine line and a fine balance and sometimes there's a little bit of experimenting involved because you know in order to see how your body reacts sometimes we have to make those changes but we're always a big fan of doing small incremental changes and not doing anything too drastic because when you do those drastic changes, that's when it can yield to, um, you know, more drastic results, which are sometimes negative. So we just want to make sure things are progressive, consistency is number one, and I think at the end of the day, it really depends people are like, "Oh, that that this doesn't give me a concrete answer." And really there is no magic formula, which is which is tough. You know, we go to Jack Daniel's run smart calculator, we get to see what our V dot score is, we can see what our easy pace range is, we can see what our threshold is. But for this, it's a little bit more gray area. You know, just because you can run a 3:30 marathon doesn't mean you know you have to be peaking at 60, 50, 40 miles per week. There's no formula for it. Um and I've seen a wide range of Abilities, is, um, you know, some people run <clears throat> like a low three-hour marathon off of 80, 90 miles a week. Other people I've seen do it off of 20 to 30 miles per week um, with a triathlon background. And, you know, the person running 20, 30 miles per week was actually a female. And the person running 80 miles per week was a male. And it just really goes to show um, that you can't predict the outcome of races based on mileage. And it's also important to know you shouldn't base your training um, mileage based on kind of what your goal is. I mean, within reason, yes, but it's important to start where you're at and build from there. So I hope that this helped remove some of the gray area. And if you ever have any questions or you're kind of curious about your own mileage, um, and how that all comes into play, we'd love to chat with you about your mileage and kind of your plan in general and putting all the pieces together. You can always try us out for a free seven day trial. If you visit our website, www.run4.com prs.co. You can fill out our form there and then we can connect you with a coach to chat about all these things one-on-one. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode and thanks for tuning in.